0: Last year, we started a series called No Space Between Us, where we've been working our way through Galatians chapter uh, 6, the book of Galatians. Which, by the way, the book of Galatians isn't actually a book. It's actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the believers in the region of Galatia, uh, which is actually modern-day Turkey. So he wrote this letter to them to address uh, a couple of different issues. Remember that this was before emails, this was before text messages and uh, Snapchat and all that good stuff. So Paul had to write actual letters in order to communicate uh, to the people there. Now, because the best way to study the Bible, guys, is in context. I want to refresh your memories in case you just had a little bit too much eggnog or coquito over the, the New Year's. Let me refresh your memories on, uh, on what exactly or, or why exactly Paul is writing this letter. Paul is addressing a false teaching, right, that, was, that had surface among the believers in Galatia, was spreading among the church in Galatia. And basically the, the teaching said, uh, of course uh, we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, uh, but hey, Paul and everybody else, the other believers in Galatia, don't forget the Old Testament rituals and customs, because those are necessary too in order to be Christian and in order to be saved. Uh, specifically, the ritual that these religious teachers or these false teachers were camping on uh, was the ritual of circumcision. So Paul spends the majority of this letter correcting teaching and, and reminding the Galatians that no, you're saved by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. It's not by your works. It's not by keeping the law. Jesus fulfilled the law on your behalf and now all you need to do is believe in him accept God's free gift of grace uh, then he transitioned to the implications of the gospel in other words because Jesus lived because he died and rose again there are ramifications to that truth to what we call the gospel it impacts the way we live uh, it impacts everything to, uh, to to the way we react with one another engage uh, one another it doesn't excuse sin uh, but a person in genuine pursuit of Jesus, you guys remember this, Paul says, you're going to bear fruit, some fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit, that is, that's, that's the truth of the gospel lived out. That's what it produces in us. And then, of course, finally, towards the end of the letter, he transitions to the implications of the gospel on how we relate to one another. That's what Shannon was just saying a second ago, that the gospel impacts how we relate to one another, how we relate to uh, us, the brothers and sisters in the church, and also how we relate uh, to our neighbors. Now, as, uh, as we begin the next section of Galatians chapter 6, uh, the verses that we're about to read, um, it's, it's a new year. And oftentimes, we use a new year as an opportunity to reflect on uh, and examine all the ways that we want to change our lives for the better. We set goals and we have opportunities in the beginning of the year in order to frame uh, the year and how we want it to go. And perhaps you set some goals. Maybe you have some relational goals. Or maybe you've set some physical goals uh, in your life on how to better your body. Uh, Maybe some of you have set goals on, on wanting to grow your mind. You know, maybe read more books and study or... Or grow mentally. Or even, um, you know, maybe some of you have set goals. You know, you want to deepen your pockets. You want to grow, you know, grow financially or, or grow your savings or et cetera, et cetera. And those are all awesome goals to set. But right now, in this moment, in, uh, in light of what we're about to study in Galatians 6, I want you to take a spiritual inventory. Take a spiritual inventory. You guys know what inventory is? My brother-in-law used to work in uh, Home Depot. And I heard horror stories from him whenever he had to take inventory at the Home Depot. You gotta count and you gotta see what's in stock and what's needed, et cetera. I'm gonna invite you guys to take a spiritual inventory. I want you to examine, in light of uh, this crazy year that we just experienced, look at the past 12 months and ask yourself, what kind of spiritual investment did I make last year? What kind of spiritual investment did I make last year? What goals did I set and achieve in order to grow not financially, not to better your body, not mentally, not relationally, but spiritually? What investments did you make spiritually and how did you grow spiritually? In other words, how did you grow closer to God and become more like Jesus? So take spiritual inventory just for a second. Think about that. As you take spiritual inventory today and as you meditate on that throughout this message, Paul is going to tell us in today's uh, passage that we need to be honest with ourselves. As you think about the past 12 months, as you think about all the investments that you've made spiritually, you need to be honest with yourself because number one is this, you can't fool God. You can't fool God. Paul says it this way in verse 7. Check it out. He says, Don't be deceived. God is not what? What's that word right there? God is not? Mocked. For what a, whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Now, Paul uses farming terms. This would have made sense to, of course, most of the, uh, the audience that he was writing to in an agricultural society. It would have made a lot of sense. Whatever you plant into the ground, uh, you know, that's what you're going to harvest. For us, maybe you can think of it in terms of investments or deposits. You can't withdraw what you haven't deposited. What happens if you, some of you know this too well, what happens if you keep making withdrawals and there's no deposits going into the bank? What happens? You you just can't. Eventually you dry out the well, right? You you get into debt. You can't do anything. As you take spiritual inventory over the past year, what kind of investments or deposits have you been making? Be honest with yourself. You might be able to fool me. Maybe we can look in the mirror and we can fool ourselves. But you can't fool God. Because God knows everything about you. He knows every single facet, every little bit of information about you. So be honest. What have you been depositing into yourself spiritually? What have you been depositing? What investments have you been making in order to draw closer to God? and to become more like Christ. Would you guys permit me to be completely honest with you? Can I? As I take spiritual inventory of uh, my past 12 months, and as I was studying this message and studying these verses, I can't say that I'm very proud of my spiritual investments. In a lot of ways, I allowed the fear of sickness, uh, the disruption of everything, you know, in the world, to disrupt my faith journey. And it's created major obstacles for me and in my walk with Christ. And that's created excuses for me to make less and less spiritual investments. And it's impacted me greatly. Because you see, you, your return on investment is dependent on what you've invested. You can't have a six-pack of abs if your primary investment is glazed donuts, right? It doesn't work that way. You can't have savings if your investment is in a thousand different subscriptions and every new piece of tech that comes out. And in our walk with Christ, we cannot grow closer to God with an investment in anything and everything but what truly matters. One commentator said this, I have it on the screen, uh, about this particular verse. He said, We may fool ourselves by expecting much when we sow little, but we cannot fool God. And the results of our poor sowing will be evident. So as you take spiritual inventory, what has been your primary investment? Paul is going to break it into two different categories for us. He's going to say you can either make an investment to the flesh or you can make an investment to the spirit. And what he's going to say about the first investment is this. Number two, an investment to the flesh leads to destruction. An investment to the flesh leads to destruction. Very plainly, he says it this way in verse 8. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. And Remember who Paul's writing to. He's writing to these Christians, right? To these believers in Galatia. And there was two ways in which the Galatians were investing in the flesh. Maybe maybe you relate to this as well. Uh, One way was through legalism, and the other way was through indulging in the passions of the flesh. Legalism was evidenced by the fact of believing the lie that salvation could be experienced outside of anything besides the work of Christ on the cross. Specifically for the Galatians, it was the message being preached by those false teachers that circumcision was necessary. And if, uh, if we're not careful, we can make legalistic investments wishing to withdraw genuine closeness and relationship to God. And that is a check that we simply cannot cash. We can legalistically pursue Christ and relationally be very far from Him. Legalism for us can look like looking the part, saying the right words, even doing the right things. But our heart being extremely distant and disconnected from the one that we're trying to impress. That sort of investment, Paul says, leads to destruction. It isn't genuine. It's lip service, independent from heart transformation and repentance. The other way they were making investments was indulging in the passions of the flesh, And that was evidenced by the fact that Paul dedicated a whole section in the book of Galatians uh, to let the Galatians Galatians know uh, that their freedom in Christ doesn't mean that they have freedom to pursue every single wicked and greedy thing that your heart or mind desires. I don't know if you guys remember um, a couple months ago, we went through that and we spoke about it. You might remember in chapter 5, he says that the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, do I even need to tell you guys about this? You, you should know this. The works of the flesh aren't evident. But even though they're obvious, I'm going to let you know anyway. And then he, he mentions things like sexual immorality and sorcery and jealousy, drunkenness, and outbursts of anger. He talks about it. I don't know if you guys remember when we went over Galatians 5. Indulging in the passions of the flesh in our lives is evidence whenever we stifle or silence the Holy Spirit from giving us any guidance or rebuke. It's when we selfishly give in to our own sinful desires, our own sinful passions, and we invest in that which which gives us pleasure. But Paul says that leads to destruction. And we cannot possibly withdraw closeness to God or Christ's likeness when all our investments are indulging in the passions of the flesh. But if we desire to be close to the heart of God, then we must do this. Number three, we must make an investment to the Spirit, which Paul says leads to eternal life. He says it this way in verse 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap what? Say that out loud. Eternal. Eternal life from the Spirit. And Paul is helping us here by giving us an eternal perspective. He's helping us see beyond what we see and experience right now in the moment. And the challenge is to make an investment in what truly matters. Do you know what matters more than the amount of money that you have saved? Or how big the house will be when you retire? Or whether you found the perfect job? Or whether all your personal needs and wants are met? What matters more than all of that is the salvation of your soul and where, in light of the decisions you've made now, where you will spend all eternity. That's way more important than anything else that may be occupying that space of worry in your mind. If we have all our priorities in order, if we're making the right investment, everything else will fall into place. Remember the words of Jesus? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. So of course, we reap sadness. We reap fear. We reap frustration. We reap disappointment and dissatisfaction when we sow to the flesh. When we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction. But if we sow to the Spirit, if we sow to the things of God, if we make spiritual investments, then we're going to reap an eternal perspective. We will invest in what truly matters, an investment in something that doesn't fade over time, not in something that's going to disappoint or forsake us. And if we want to reap salvation, we sow not into our own abilities, but we sow faith in Christ the only one who could grant us forgiveness of sin and new life, the one who knew no sin and became sin so that we may be called the righteousness of God. Our greatest source of hope, our greatest source of inspiration and forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ who took your place, and who took my place on the cross of Calvary, who conquered the grave so that we can be forgiven so that we can become a part of the family of God. And guess what? As you've uh, taken spiritual inventory this evening, um, maybe you don't feel too proud of yourself the way I I did this week. As you've taken spiritual inventory, do you feel ashamed? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel dirty? Guess what? Christ died for that. He died for your apathy. He died for your indifference. He died for your shame. So today, you can leave the sanctuary knowing that you are forgiven, that you are loved, and that you are cherished, that you are a child of the King, and that nothing we can do can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I want to invite the worship team to come up here and uh, they're going to lead us in one final song. And um, as they lead us in this last song, I want you guys just to continue to meditate and and take spiritual inventory. And as we remember that, and as they sing this song, uh, use it as an opportunity just to repent and to beg God. And use it as an opportunity to remember the shed blood and the broken body of Jesus. And let's beg God for grace to help us so in what truly matters. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us, God, in our apathy and in our indifference. Lord, I pray you would remove all our fears that you would remove the distractions, those things, God, that are keeping us from making the proper investments in what truly matters. God, I know I cannot only be speaking for me when I say, forgive me for all the deposits and the investments into the flesh, God. Please forgive me, Father. And please remember your son Dine in my place so that I can be forgiven. Thank you, God, for salvation through Jesus. Help us, God, as we enter this new year that we might make spiritual investments that reap eternal life. God, help us to not be so focused, God, on everything that we see around us constantly investing into the flesh, into our fears, into our disappointments, into our frustrations, God, and allowing that to dig us deeper and deeper into a rut, into a hole, feeding our apathy and feeding our indifference. God, instead, Lord, please, I beg you, help us, God, to make investments into the Spirit, God. That we wouldn't stifle the Spirit of God or that we wouldn't mute Him when You speak to us, God. Lord, when You point out our idols, may we take heed and may we humble ourselves before the throne of God and depend on You, God above everything else god because at the end of the day kings and kingdoms will pass nations will pass but you god will reign forever so god i pray that we might humble ourselves and invest god in that which leads to eternal life God, may we, may we leave behind, Lord, everything that's happened in 2020, God. And may we progress, may we move forward, God, in the direction you've called us to. And I know, God, that out of the overflow of an investment into the, into the things of God, into the Spirit, Lord, that's going to rub off, God, on our families, on our neighbors, on our coworkers, in our community, God. Because we've so invested into the things of God, into the Spirit, that that passion will overflow, God. That we will be able to withdraw and deposit into the life of someone else. The overflow of what you're doing into our life. So, God, we repent. We beg for forgiveness, God. Please help us, Jesus, we pray. Amen.